Welcome to the Bradenville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We're located at 285 Church Street in Bradenville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with worship to follow at 11 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now, please enjoy our lesson. He says that servant is blessed 
whom when the master comes will find so doing. Feeding the house, taking care of the house, ministering to the house. There's a story told of a, of a, of a man over in, in uh, Italy. This was back many years ago when he was tending a garden in a, in a grand complex, a grand a mansion complex. And uh, a visitor was walking by and, and he asked the man uh, why he was taking such good care of the garden. And the man said, because the master may return at any moment. And he said, well, why are you taking such good care of it today? And he said, well, he could come today. And that's the concept that Jesus is wanting us to understand, that we have a due diligence to be obedient to the, the commands and the will of God today because the master could come at any time. Listen to the, to the contrast. And Jesus contrasts the faithful servant with the evil servant in verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will, shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so there will be some servants of the master who are going to be called evil because they're not going to do the will of the master. He says they're, they're going to be abusing their fellow servants. They're going to be living a lifestyle that's not in line with the way that the master has, has instructed them to live or want them to live. And that could be uh, something that, that could happen even today that we need to be aware of that uh, our lifestyle, the way we live on a daily basis, is the way the master will find us when he returns if we're not prepared. Uh, the, the, the evil servant here was caught off guard because the master came at an hour when he wasn't expecting on a day that he wasn't looking for him. And notice the punishment that the evil servant will receive. You'll cut him in two and appoint him as portion with the hypocrites. And so there's going to be a great uh, punishment that's going to be issued here to the, to the evil servants. And so the first lesson that we learn here is our lifestyle is important. How we live our lives, or as the, as the New Testament would say, the walk that we, that we, the way we walk as a Christian is important. And it's important that we do this on a daily basis. It's important that we, on a regular basis, that we that we are monitoring ourselves and thinking about the fact that the master could come at any time. How are we feeding the, the, ourselves? How are we feeding our fellow Christians? How are we being a good steward of the the entrustment that the Lord has given to us, the, the, the blessings that the Lord has given us? Then Jesus gives in, in chapter 25 a, a, another parable. And you again compare the faithful, uh, those who are uh, the church in essence, Two, uh, two groups of, of people. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So he sets this scene. And to understand the, the context here, we have to understand the, the process of a marriage ceremony in, in, in the days of Jesus. The bridegroom would, uh, would make a vow to his, to his beloved. He would make a vow to his spouse. He said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I prepare that place, I'm going to come again and receive you. Remember, those are the words that Jesus uses in John chapter 14 as he speaks to the apostles. But after the room was prepared, he would prepare a room on his, on his father's house or his parents' home. The father would say, okay, you can go get your bridegroom. And so he would begin the progression to the bride's house. And along the way, he would pick up his friends. He'd pick up his, his groomsmen, we might say. And he'd also pick up the bridesmaids. But it would happen at a time when they would least expect it. They would come along... Uh, and it, you, so the, the people of the marriage party had to be ready. And we've got ten virgins here who are got their lamps, 
and they're waiting for the bridegroom. But Jesus distinguishes between the two of them. Verse 2, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Well, what made the one wise and what made the other foolish? Jesus is going to tell us in verse 3 and 4. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps. And so you think about the, the similarities between the two and the differences. They both took lamps. But the foolish didn't take any oil in preparation for an extended stay. They, they took enough oil to light their lamps for a short stay, but they didn't take enough oil to light their lamps for an extended stay or to wait for the bridegroom to come. Now notice in verses 5 and 6 that, that there's some other similarities here between the two. But while the bridegroom was delayed, okay, there's a long delay, he's, he's not coming as early as they expect, they all slumber and slept. All of them are going to slumber and sleep. We're all going to... Barring the coming of Jesus in our lifetime, we're all going to die. And so we're all going to slumber sleep. The, the faithful and the unfaithful, the wise and the foolish are all going to sleep and wait for the coming of the bridegroom. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet them. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And so they all slept. They all arose. They all trimmed their lamps. They all prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. But the foolish were short something. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. And notice here that Jesus doesn't explain what the oil is. Do you remember when we first started this discussion of the parables that we can get down in the weeds sometimes in parables and we can lose the meaning? Throughout history, men have wrestled with, well, is this faith? Is it that the, the foolish didn't have, have proper faith? And it could be. Some would say, well, they didn't have the proper works, and it could be. But what we see here in particular was that they were unprepared for the delay of the bridegroom. They had enough faith, they had enough, they had enough obedience to get them to a certain point in their life, but they didn't have enough to sustain them until the coming of the bridegroom. And notice also that this is something that can't be transferred. They weren't when when the bridegroom came at the day when he would stand before the bridegroom, they couldn't transfer their oil, they couldn't transfer this whatever they were lacking from one to the other. Verse 9, but the wise answered, say, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourself. They couldn't They couldn't exchange this. We think about the, the judgment scene, and when we stand before the Lord, we're all going to give an account of what we have done in our lives. I can't transfer to Jacob faith, I can't and he can't transfer to me faith. We can't exchange the good works that we've done. We're all going to stand and give an account of ourselves. And there will be some who will stand in the judgment day and they're going to be called foolish because they haven't made the proper preparations. They haven't lived lives that have in a proper stewardship looking for the coming of the bridegroom. And so while the bridegroom's coming, they went to buy, verse 10, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. And afterward the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. What a terrible feeling that would be to have waited for the bridegroom, to have looked forward to the coming of the bridegroom, but to have not made the proper preparations for the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom comes, we're off trying to make preparation. We're off trying to restore what we, what we didn't do uh, previously in this life and what we didn't do when we had the time to do it. One of the things that we notice here is all of these virgins had the time to get the oil, to get their lamps, to sleep, to wake, and to trim their lamps. 
but there would be some who didn't take advantage of the time. They didn't take the opportunity to do what they needed to do to be prepared when the, the bridegroom came. And so we learned in the first parable that there are going to be some who are going to live lives that are inconsistent with the master's will. They're going to live lives that are abusive and are sinful. We also learned there's going to be some people who look like they're part of the church, but they just don't make the right preparation. And that's an important lesson for us to think about. Is what are we doing to prepare ourselves for the day of judgment? We may have our lamp. We may even have a trim. But do we have the oil? Do we have the sustaining faith? Do we have the sustaining obedience in us to keep ourselves until the day of the coming of the Lord? Verse 13 says, Therefore, watch, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We've heard that before, haven't we? But Jesus is re-emphasizing to us the necessity of being watchful and ready and prepared every moment of our lives. Every day that we live, we need to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Let's look at the last parable, verse 14 of chapter 25. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, called his servants, and delivered his goods to them. Now, notice again the stewardship here. This man takes his goods and he disperses them among his servants. And again, we think of the stewardship in which the Lord has given us, the stewardship of time, the stewardship of, of uh, our health and the ability to work, the stewardship of the money that we earn because of that work and the stewardship of, of the church and friendship and all these things that the Lord entrusts with us. We're going to see these entrusted to these servants and we're going to learn what they do with those, in essence, what he calls talents here or sums of money, but with the resources that the master has entrusted to him. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now notice here, first off, that the master doesn't give everybody the same resources. We're not all the same. We're not all given the same resources or the same gifts or the same the same abilities by God. And it's because God's is, God is wiser than us. He knows what we're capable of. But we notice here that the master gave to those servants what their ability allowed them to, <coughs> to use. <coughs> he didn't give ten talents to the five-talent man, but he didn't give two talents either. He didn't give five talents to the two-talent man, but he didn't give him one talent either. And he didn't give five talents to the one-talent man because he knew that man was capable of one talent. <coughs> And so we notice first off that the wisdom of the master, and now he gives out his he gives out his resources, he distributes his goods according to his knowledge of the servants. What a wonderful blessing it is to know that God disperses to us our talents according to his knowledge, according to his wisdom. But here's where the rubber meets the road, if you look at this parable, it's what they do with the goods that have been assigned to them. Then he received the five talents, went and traded with them, and made another five talents. What did he do? He took the resources that the master had given him and he put them to work. He made preparations. He, 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 he used his time and his energy to expand <coughs> and grow those, those, those resources that the master gave him. And in doing that, he doubled his, doubled his money, didn't he? That's a great, a great lesson for us to think about is what are we doing with the talents, the, the, the skills, and the resources and the work which the Lord has given us, are we putting it to good use? Are we using it wisely? And do we understand what those talents are that we give? Sometimes 
we may think we're uh, a two-talent person when God's given us five talents. And sometimes we see people who think they're a five-talent person when God's only given them two talents. But it's an understanding of what God has given us and then using it to the best ability. Notice that the two-talent man did the same thing. Likewise, he who received the two talents gained two talents more also. And so he follows the example or, or sets the example here of the uh, with the, the five-talent man of a person who's making preparations. Why are they doing this? We'll not find out later in the parable, but it's because they know what the master's business is. They know how the master would use these, this sum of money. They know how he would use his resources and his goods. And they're following that example. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's plane. Now notice here, he does some work. It's not easy to just dig a hole and throw money in the ground, so he does a little bit of work, but he doesn't do work that's similar to the five-talent man. He doesn't do work that's going to increase the goods that the master had given this man. He takes his money and he hides it in the ground. And we'll find out in a little bit why he does this. After a long time, notice there's a long period of time. And so at some point in time, these men could have gotten lazy. They could have gotten uh, tired. They could have become like the evil servant in the first parable. They could have begun to beat their fellow servants and to, to eat and drink with the drunkards. They could have been like the foolish virgins in that they had just not made the right preparations. They said, well, the master's going to come. We know he's not going to come for a number of years, so we'll wait, and we'll be prepared when he does come. But after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. That's important to understand, too. There's going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day of settling of accounts. And I think that's important for us to remember when we think about the judgment day, that there will be a day where we'll give an account to the Lord of the resources that he's given to us. We're going to have to stand and we're going to have to give an account to him of the time and the energy and the, the, the money and the, all the blessings that he's put in our hands. What did we do with those resources? So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides these. Listen to what the Lord said. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I love the way he says that. He says, you were faithful over a few things. I didn't give you more than what you were capable of, but you did well with those. You were faithful with them. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. He was given blessings even beyond what the Lord had initially blessed him with. He also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, notice what he didn't say. Well, you didn't do as good as the five-talent man. Do you read that? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Notice he says the exact same thing to the two-talent man that he says to the five-talent man. Those men had done the best that they could. <clears throat> with the items that he had given them to be faithful over. And the same thing will happen to us in the day of judgment. But then notice that the one-talent man comes. He who had received the one-talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. See, notice there the difference between the approach that the one-talent man had to the master versus the two-talent and the five-talent. Did those five-talent, two-talent men sound like they were scared of the master? They had a great respect for the master. They had a great reverence for the master. They had an understanding of what the master's business was, and they were willing to put forth the effort to meet the master's expectations. 
But the one talent man says, you're a hard man. Some people, sometimes people approach God that way. They see God as a hard God, as a strict God, as a severe God, and so they approach him as a man that to be a, as a as a as a divine being to be afraid of. There will be a day when we should be afraid of God if we've been disobedient to him. But in the day when he gives us the resources and the ability and the opportunity to do something with the skills, that's not the day to be afraid of God. That's the day to to revere and to respect, but also to obey God. This man didn't obey his master. He didn't follow after what this man's pattern was. He knew he was a hard man. He knew he sowed where he had to reap. He reaped where he had to sow. And he uh, gathered where he had to scatter seed. And verse 25 says, I was afraid. I'm afraid that there will be people on the day of judgment who will go to hell because they were simply afraid of the Lord. They were afraid of the master who gave them the talents that they didn't, didn't, put, didn't put to use. Why is that? Sometimes we're afraid that we won't succeed. Sometimes people are, are, are afraid of success. Sometimes they're afraid of failure. And what we notice in this passage is that the Lord doesn't bless or, or rebuke these people because of their success or failure. He, he blesses them because of the effort that they put forth. The faithful servants, he blessed them because they put forth the effort to do something with the talents. What if the five-talent man had come back with four talents? The Bible doesn't tell us what the result would be, but we know how God operates. The resources that God gave him were not the, the critical aspect there. It was the faithfulness that the servant had provided. It was the service and the obedience that the servant had provided. And this man hadn't done what the master had commanded. Or what the, even what the example he said, uh, I, I was afraid and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. He brought back the talent. The master was no less benefited from the one-count man than he was when he first gave him the resources. Except from this standpoint, what happens to money over time? Typically, it increases in value, right? You took a $1 bill today, and you held on to that $1 bill over a period of time. Theoretically, that $1 bill is going to grow in value, right? But if you didn't take that money on, let's say, 2025, 2025, 35, 20, 55, and you go to buy, it's only going to get what a dollar's worth, right? And this, 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 and from a certain perspective, this one town man had cheated the master in that he hadn't even taken into account for inflation. He hadn't even taken into account for the use of money. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes we don't even give back to the Lord what He's given to us. We don't, we don't, when we bring back to Him the one town, we're not even really bringing back what He is. He is benefited us with. And so the master responds this way, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received my own with interest. There's the point. He said you could have even taken it to the bank. How much how much work would it be? Take it, take it to the bank. Let them use the money. Let them work with it. Let them gain interest on it, and at least I would have got my money back with interest. But he uses a term here that's important. You wicked, what's wicked mean? It means evil, right? The servant was evil because he didn't follow the master's will. He didn't do what the master would have done in his, in his situation. And he also calls him lazy. This man had dug a hole in the ground. But he hadn't done works of obedience to the master. The master calls him wicked and lazy. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to whoever, 
To everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus here has given us three pictures of the, of the judgment. And they're not necessarily pictures of what the judgment will look like as much as they are pictures of how we should prepare for the judgment. And we want to remember, this is all prefaced with the phrase, watch and be ready. We know not the hour when the Son of Man comes. So how do we live our lives? Do we live our lives like the faithful servant who is taking care of the resources and has the stewardship that the Master has given him? Or do we live like the evil servant where we abuse our fellow man? We, we eat and drink with the drunkard. We behave rudely. We act in ways which the Lord wouldn't act. Are we like the wise virgins who are making preparations for the day of judgment? We're making preparations. Even though the bridegroom carries long, we are acting in a faithful and obedient manner so that whenever the bridegroom comes, we're, we're excited to see him. You know, there's going to be a day when Jesus is going to come back. And do we want to be the five-talent man, the two-talent man, or do we want to be the one-talent man? Those five-talent men, one-talent men, the faithful servants, the wise virgins, you know what they did when the Lord returned? You know what they did when the Master returned and bridegroom? They rejoiced. They celebrated. They went into the wedding feast. And that's what we need to be looking forward to in the day of judgment. We need to look forward to the second coming of Jesus because that's a day of celebration for the faithful. That's a day of glory and of, of wonderful blessings for those who have been faithful to God. And yet there will be some on that day who will mourn and weep because they're going to be punished severely. They're going to be sent into an eternal punishment of hell because they haven't made preparations. And if you notice here, in all three of these, Jesus is speaking about the faithful, the group that what we might refer to today as the church, but there will be some in the church who will be not part of the church, who have not done the preparations. And so we want to encourage each of us today to look forward to the coming of Jesus. But look forward to it now. Make preparation today for the coming of Jesus. There might be some of us who are who have put on the name of Christ, but we don't live like Christ. We don't live the way that God has commanded us to live. Maybe we're not using the skills and the ability and the resources that God's given us to the best of our ability. Maybe we're like the one talent man and we're simply happy with hiding God's talents and skills and resources in the ground. Or maybe we're like the foolish virgins who are not making preparation for the long haul. Maybe we've got our lamps trimmed, but we're not, we don't have the oil to sustain us. Or maybe we're like the evil servant, and we're just out carousing and out living a life that's, that doesn't represent Christ in a, in a profitable way. There may be some who aren't Christians. Maybe maybe you're not a part of the faithful today, and you'd like to obey the gospel. We encourage you, please contact us if you'd like to obey the gospel. If you know Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're willing to confess His name, and you know that Jesus said, that you need to repent, that you need to turn away from the sin of your life. And they also said that you need to be baptized. Jesus told his apostles to preach that message, go to all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He does not believe will be condemned. If you believe that message and you're willing to obey it, I want to encourage you to think about the, the necessity of obedience to the gospel. Please contact us if you, if you know you need to obey the gospel, particularly if you'd like to be baptized. We can help you with that. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven.
We hope you have a good day.